Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 70. Welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again, as always, is Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? Uh, I'm uh, amazing. How about you? Really, really good. Really good. But you have some a little bit of news. You you just opened up a new office. Yeah, we've got. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. We bought a building here, and it's in Hamilton, and uh, we're uh, running uh, running our real estate stuff out of there. We got a few few businesses, realtor, property management now, and then uh, and then some investment stuff too out of the, out of it. So it's pretty cool. It's exciting. It was a lot of uh, work. So that was just a couple weeks ago. Actually, we did a grand opening thing and uh, had a bunch of clients, friends, family, everyone out. It was fun. So you can, uh, yeah, if someone's driving through Hamilton, you might even see the sign. You can pop in. Where is it? Jump into the studio, maybe. Main Street. Right? It's really easy. You drive, if you're driving through downtown Hamilton, you're going to go right through the, the center. And then as you just come out downtown, downtown on the east end there, you're going to see our building. So. Oh, nice. I, I saw all yeah. of the, um, I saw all your announcements for your grand opening and some of the pictures and stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it looks pretty cool. We, we bought the building. It's a, it's an investment at the end of the day. It's our kind of our sort of same as our go-to strategy. It's, uh, it's got some rental units in there. So it's going to, it's got a, we're paying ourselves with the commercial unit and then some uh, residential above. So it's, and it was a kind of a buy, fix, refinance and rent strategy, kind of the typical thing, just a little, little more unique with the commercial aspect. Congratulations. Yeah, it was about a, thanks. That's awesome. What are we doing now? Well, I guess uh, we should encourage people to go over to our website, right, Sandy? Usually a good thing to promote. Yeah, we should uh, definitely do that. Everyone can jump on over if you're uh, if you're available to right now, and you can download, listen to any of our episodes there. Breakthrough reipodcast.ca. Uh, you can get our free report there, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate, and uh, get on our mailing list. Get all some updates on what we're up to and events and whatnot. And then they should also go on iTunes, I think. 
that'd be a good place to review us, to give us some, some love, right? Yeah. Give us your feedback. Be honest. I mean, we like honesty. If there's something that you feel like we've forgotten to cover or if there's something about the show that you think could be improved, then please let us know. You know, we generally, I will read uh, all the comments and I still plan to, I just don't have it up today. Got this new computer here and I haven't put iTunes on it. I tried. It seems to be for some reason a little more difficult than it should be. But anyways, uh, we'll get back to reading some of those reviews very, very soon. And I just wanted to say that, uh, I don't know if the show is going to sound any different. Probably, hopefully it will when it comes out. But right now, according to uh, these guys and Sandy on the other end of the line here, it doesn't sound any different as we speak. But I bought a bunch of new recording equipment and a new mixer. I just put a picture up. I'll send, I'll, I'll send a picture to put up with it. I, I think it's cool. I feel like I got my own studio here now. So uh, I feel pretty awesome. It's not just a little mic sitting on the desk. So finally upgrading after all these years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, hopefully that'll improve the audio quality of the show. As yeah, well. yeah. Okay, well, I don't think there's much more to talk about right now. I guess we should talk to our guests who are here uh, waiting on the other side of the line. We have today with us Elizabeth Milder and Cole Skelly from Expansion Properties joining us. And they're going to be telling us a bit about their methods and what they have used to create equity and cash flow in a city where no one thought it was possible. So uh, thanks for being here with us, guys. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. You know, we're, we're big fans of the podcast, so it's, it's really an honor to uh, be on here with you this morning. We're very excited to have you guys. So it's great. It's great. Awesome. A little bit of a, a longer intro here to just to get out there to uh, introduce you guys. And I think uh, if you want to add anything after, feel free. I'm just going to read it out here uh, and give the audience a little bit more insight into what you're all about. Sure. Um, Ex- Expansion Properties is owned and operated by the dynamic duo of Cole Skelly and Elizabeth Milder. Both are highly motivated uh, entrepreneurs and committed to improving their community through their ventures. And Expansion Properties began its journey when Cole was just 20 years old and he invested in his first property. And then things really started to skyrocket when Cole and Elizabeth joined forces and began to tackle real estate investing together. And after many properties, many lessons learned, expansion properties was, was eventually formed. And the initial investments were single family homes that were suited to help cover mortgage costs. Uh, and the expansion properties has now evolved into a full scale property development company. And the past two projects have been three plus units. Expansion properties now works with a team of experts that allow for more extensive projects. And as a couple, Cole and Elizabeth have been able to build off of each other's strengths. Uh, they've used their, their diverse skill sets to grow their portfolio to, to 10 units and counting now. And they're really looking forward and excited about continuing to expand their business in the future. So again, welcome to the show. We're really happy to have you on. Awesome, thanks guys. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Uh, Elizabeth, would you wanna start with that? Yeah, sure. So my story, I guess, is a little bit different because I'm actually an American, originally from San Jose, California. So I'm, I have dual citizenship here in, in Canada. But it's really interesting, actually, when I look back on my life, because real estate investing has been kind of a prominent feature, though I didn't really realize that until, you know, well, now as an active real estate investor. But 
my grandmother actually invested in property in and around uh, San Francisco. And as a result of that, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to university here in Victoria, as well as my siblings and my cousin. So yeah, I just kind of have that kind of back history of real estate investing within my family. And my dad now is a real estate investor as well. Again, that wasn't something that I grew up with. He wasn't investing in real estate when I was a kid, but in the last, uh, I guess, 10 years. And that's actually where my investments began was, was with my dad. I invested in a property initially with him. And then, of course, now later with Cole, I guess in the last five years is when we started investing together. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I think this is probably the hardest answer for me to to give because I don't really know what else to say about myself. But I guess that's somewhat of Elizabeth in a nutshell. Well, that's great. What about your family? Oh, well, my family is actually uh, pretty much all still in the States. My parents, like I said, I grew up in San Jose, but in about 2007, they moved to Carson City, Nevada. And I've got one one brother that remains in San Jose and then another brother that actually followed me to Victoria. And he's he's actually up north working right now. Yeah. And then I've got, I don't know, various family that's spread about different between Oregon, California, uh, obviously Nevada. Yeah, but I'm the only one. It's kind of funny, actually, because my mom, you know, that's where I have the Canadian connection. She was born in Canada, but the entire family moved to the States in like the 60s. And I'm the only one now that is still in Canada, other than like extended family. But so, yeah. Is that hard hard in the winter? It's hard enough Oh God. When, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say the first year, so I moved to Victoria in 2003 and the first year that I was here, like winter was a shock. And it was actually one of the, it was one of the first years in several that Victoria had seen snow and a very different experience for me. Um, obviously like I had, or maybe not obviously, but I had taken trips to snow and, you know, went snowboarding and stuff like that as a kid, but certainly was never forced into a situation where I had to live through it. So yeah, that was definitely an adjustment. And I guess one other thing that I should say too, that is just kind of dawning on me, but I had the opportunity to live abroad for kind of a couple different occasions. I lived in the UK and that really got me to appreciate real estate investing as well, because the situation there is very different. The vast majority of people there rent versus owning real estate. And it's it's kind of an interesting time now in Victoria because we're getting to that point where property ownership for you know the average Jane or average Joe is getting harder and harder. And it's more kind of approaching the model that we see in the UK where, yeah, like I said, the vast majority of, of people there don't own, they just rent. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Anyway, that's, I guess that's it for me. (laughs) So you didn't try to buy any properties in the UK? No, 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 no. I was, I was definitely just there traveling and experiencing, uh, yeah, experiencing living abroad. It was never my intention to be there for longer than a year at each time. So at one point in actually in 2004, I lived in Dublin and then in 2008, I lived in uh, Edinburgh in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, that sounds very cool. Um, yeah. It must have been a great experience. I've never been overseas like that. So we're planning it too, but 
I didn't even start traveling until the kids were born. So uh, you got to wait until they get a little bit older, I think, to take that hike. Yeah, it really is an amazing experience, though. And if nothing else, it really just kind of teaches you to appreciate, you know, where you're from and North America, you know, whether Canada or the States, it is. It's an awesome place to live. So. Okay, so cool. What about you? Tell us about yourself. Uh, I was actually born in Victoria, B.C., so I was born and raised on the island here. I grew up in a small town just outside of Victoria, uh, Shawnigan Lake, it's called. So I lived there until I was about uh, 20 years old. And that's when I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I bought a truck and left to Alberta and started working on the oil rigs when I was, yeah, 19 turning 20 in and around there. And that's kind of how I got started investing in real estate is made some money. And with my first few paychecks, bought a condo and it kind of segued into buying a house after that because I saw the power of real estate. And I knew I did not want to work in Alberta for the rest of my life. It was a very tough environment, but I did work out there for uh, 13 years I spent. I've just kind of packed it in over the last uh, year here and been taking on the real estate investing full time. Did you buy the condo in Alberta or in BC? No. So it was in, it was actually in Victoria, BC. Basically I was, I've never lived in Alberta. I've always been traveling back and forth by either flying or driving on a two week on one week off sort of schedule. Mm -hmm. So I've never actually owned anything in Alberta. At one point, I did have a house rented there that we were staying in, but that's about it. Oh, okay. Okay, so you were always back and forth. So it's not like you were over there and working like full time every day and then just decided, you know what, I think it's a better spot for me to invest in BC. Although I guess that was the general thought because that's what you did. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So guys, for your company, what is your favorite strategy, your investment strategy, and why is that? Uh, Our favorite is the buy, renovate, rent, refinance. We like to buy distressed properties, properties that basically no one else will touch. Even in this market, the market's been extremely hot in Victoria, and the last two or three houses we bought they were actually on the market for over a month. So that's telling you that (laughs) there's not a whole lot of people that will take on the projects that we will. So what we like doing is adding additional square footage and changing the use of the house. So if we have, let's say a duplex, we've been gutting it and either lifting the house and adding another floor or digging out the basement and adding another floor essentially. So then we can get more units in there. Mm -hmm. How does Victoria deal with adding a third unit or a fourth unit in places like that? Is it pretty easy? Not easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's never, never easy, but they do have, they have a specific permitting process. It's called uh, doing a character conversion. And that's what we've done in in these renovations that we've uh, completed. We've actually used that process to be able to add that square footage. 
Okay. So there's certain certain parameters that you have to follow. There's a whole bunch of them. And one of them is it has to be a character. Well, not a character house or a house built before the 50s kind of thing. They're trying to retain the heritage of some of these houses. So they'll let let people do this. Okay. So you're not really dealing too much with just adding a straight up basement suite and a regular old bungalow. You guys are doing bigger projects. Yeah, these are major, major projects. I mean, on average, they take about a year from start to finish. Our last one, I think, was 13 months um, in the end. And like Cole said, it, they're a complete gut. So we're literally taking everything right down to the studs. So all we're left is the bare bones of the house. Hmm. That being said, we do keep some of the character elements, like the last the fourplex we just finished, we kept the 1900 staircase. It's a beautiful staircase, so we refinished that. We'll keep stained glass windows. Any built-ins that we can salvage, we'll keep to try and retain the character of the houses. And even sometimes, like with that staircase that Cole mentioned, we really put a high value on retaining that, that character. So even though that actually ended up costing us a little bit by way of square footage, because it's quite a wide staircase, we still retained it. And I mean, it looks, it looks amazing. And it's, it's one of those pieces about the properties that we renovate that really attract people because it's so different from, you know, I guess the run of the mill, like apartment or condo or whatever that you could rent. So. And so, I mean, the key to making all of that strategy work is really getting what you need to get on a refinance. So, is it really tricky yeah. for you guys to figure out what your after repair value is going to be on something like that? That must be pretty tricky. It is and it isn't. I mean, I guess at this point, we've really kind of honed in. Like, we, we're usually pretty close in terms of the valuation uh, when it comes time to refinance. So I'd say the biggest thing when it comes to that is just really having a good understanding of your market and you know, Cole and I, between the two of us, we spend a tremendous amount of time really each day looking or following the market, I guess you could say, especially Cole. I mean, he's like, he's like an addict when it comes to looking at the, the MLS. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a lot of people say that kitchens and bathrooms sell houses. I believe that to a sense, I think square footage sells houses so when you're taking when we're taking a house that essentially is 2,000 square feet and has a basement that's five feet high and really not usable and we're digging that out to get full high basement at eight feet that is where we're creating that extra value and that is what is helping the refinance at the end yeah oh that's pretty interesting I guess people can do you have like examples of your of your projects on your website? We do, yeah. We've got a lot of before and after pictures on the last few projects that we've done. Uh, so that's just expansionproperties.com. And we're on Instagram too. So yeah, we have a lot of pictures up there, even even of the kind of the process. So during construction, we have, um, you know, whatever stories and pictures and stuff like that showing the process of us uh, renovating. So I guess there's a lot of creative thinking that happens, though, when you're because I guess you're specifically targeting properties that have been on the market for quite some time and 
And then you've got to take those and look at them and say, okay, is this one viable? Is this one viable? And if they both are, which one makes more sense and all that kind of stuff. So like in general, is it a very, very small pool of houses that fit into what you're looking for? Very, very small pool. Yeah. And the thing too is, especially again, like Cole touched on this earlier, the fact that we're in such a hot market right now. So there's a very small pool, but then there's also within that small pool of even properties that we would be able to consider for that. There's a small pool or an even smaller pool, I should say, of properties that we could even consider based on the price. Unfortunately now too, because the market has been so hot, you know, I don't know, often we see houses like this where people are asking for a much higher price even than really their, the, the houses are worth. So it's different for us as investors because we have certain numbers, obviously, that we're trying to achieve. Whereas someone who's just kind of off the street looking for a house to buy to live in, they're only limited by whatever their budget may be. Whereas we have specific guidelines that we're trying to meet. So anyways, the long story short there being that, yeah, the, the pool is really small. And given even in a, a year of houses that are going up on the market, there may only end up being, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen that we could even possibly consider. Okay. Yeah. No, I like this strategy. It's different and uh, very interesting, I think, than most people that we talk to on the show anyway, and what, what I do myself. Yeah, and there's not really a lot of people here in Victoria even that we're aware of that that do this. So it is one of those things that sets us apart. And, you know, it makes it, it's great for us too, because then it means that our direct competition is less. Mm -hmm. Another thing to point out is the way that we do these properties, like we're pulling permits, we're getting all engineered drawings and all of that done. So eventually we could potentially um, stratify these units and sell them as a condo. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. That's so that's exit strategy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We've been holding on to them. We're definitely buy and hold investors and look at the long term. Yeah. Appreciation is kind of what we're after, but this is also definitely an exit strategy that we could go later on in life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you haven't done that yet, but, I wonder if there would be an advantage maybe even to just doing that, selling off one or something in, in each of the, I don't know, just thinking out loud, maybe getting a little too complex for the conversation today, though. Yeah, no, we, that definitely has been a thought, and we have thought about doing one just to stratify and sell. There is one company in town, actually, that that's what he started doing, basically. Now he's building condo buildings and stuff like that. It's abstract developments. And that's kind of his, we're following his model. That's what he started when he first started out. So we're just, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just doing what other people have done or are doing. Yeah. Very cool. So what other challenges then have you faced during the construction of these projects and how have you been able to overcome those challenges? Well, I, I think, so actually the last project is a really good example. So whenever we're looking at a property, there's a lot of initial investigative work that we do to try to determine what it is we're actually dealing with. But 
somewhat unfortunately, in dealing with these renovations, there is always the potential that we're going to run into something that we couldn't have anticipated. So with the last project that we did on Begby Street, it was a perfect example of this. Even at the point of our initial uh, like valuation of the property, we did we had like a geotech technical survey that was done. We actually went around the house and dug uh, test holes to try to get an idea of what the foundation looked like and whether or not there was rock in the area, because that is a major consideration in some areas in, in Victoria. And though we did all these test holes and everything and did that uh, geotext or got that geotext report, as we were digging out the basement, what we were, what, a third of the way in or two thirds, somewhere third, 50% yeah. in or something like that, we ended up running into rock and it turned out it was quite a lot of rock. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, the whole, basically they had built built the house on bedrock, the so front of the house. house. We knew there was going to be some there, but where we had dug the test holes, from digging the test holes, there wasn't rock three quarters of the way down the basement. But what had happened was, is the rock had just ended right at the foundation walls. So there was no no way to know that three quarters of the basement was full of bedrock until we got digging in there. So that was one of the major struggles on our last project that we just finished in January. But the thing too is, and this goes to uh, how do we overcome them with that? It was just a matter of uh, kind of creative thinking. So Cole just came up with a plan of boxing in the rock and using it as storage space. So as much as it could have, you know, maybe someone else would have looked at it and been overwhelmed by that. We just saw it as another opportunity to add value. Before we got to that point, though, we had to break all that rock out of there. So we took about three full dump truck loads of rock out of that basement. In order to get to that point, we had rented an excavator with a uh, a jackhammer attachment on it and after the first week the costs on that were going up so we decided to buy our own little mini excavator that we could actually drive into the basement and break the rock out and that that excavator paid for itself on that job oh wow as the struggles come up you just have to keep pushing through and not let that bog you down yeah and rely on the people around you too you know, I think there's a question in the, in the future <laughs> regarding this, but that's one of the big things that really has helped us along is we have some phenomenal people around us that are a part of our, our team, so to speak. And, you know, they're invaluable resources because we're able to bounce ideas off of them as well and, and get their input and advice. So that's been huge for us too. Other challenges, I would say uh, permitting process can be challenging it's a painstaking process mm -hmm. the, our last building permit took about three months to actually get by the time we applied and the city the back and forth with the city and this is after doing the identical project a year earlier so we did everything pretty much the exact same but it's just the way that the city looks at it or who looks at it there's not a whole lot of consistency. So we're pretty much starting over each, each project. 
depending on who looks at the file. Yeah, so it's more subjective, <laughs> unfortunately. So like Cole was saying, from our previous project to this last one, we basically duplicated, I guess to simplify it, we duplicated the plans that were submitted to the city. And even though we had addressed previous deficiencies that they had identified, they basically came back with us with different deficiencies that weren't an issue on the previous project. So that's definitely probably one of the most frustrating aspects of, of doing this is, you know, as business owners, we try to prepare ourselves as best we can to kind of eliminate some of those delays. But because that process is so subjective, we're not really able to anticipate what they're going to come back with. And this is something that we've heard from a lot of different developers, too. And uh, we've heard recently, actually, that the city of Victoria is revamping some of those processes to try to improve that. But I'm sure that's it's down the pipe. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Oh, sure. That stuff takes a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rob, we've had we've had a bit of that discussion before, too. It's most cities, I think. It seems like the smaller cities are a little bit easier, potentially. But I know in Hamilton, we have... It's very subjective, going back and forth with permits and that, and it can be a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the one thing that I really try to promote, and and it's something that Cole and I are getting more and more involved in, but really is self-advocacy for these types of issues, you know, to bring it up to your local MLA or whether it's even just going directly to the, you know, city that you're dealing with, but really to try to draw attention to these gaps because especially in, an, in a, the situation like we're in now in Victoria, where there's a housing crisis, anything that they can do to make these types of projects run more smoothly, obviously is going to help to benefit not just us, but the city, this, really the city at large. So I can't say that enough. If you are running into these challenges, communicate that because it's, it's only through that type of communication and self-advocating that those processes will improve. Well, okay. Well, we're learning a lot today. I think, Sandy. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about some systems. Then, what, what sort of systems do you have in place to help these things run smoother, your projects, and get you know overcome these these challenges and and uh, kind of mitigate all the risk and all that stuff? Well, we pretty much have a system in place for each step along the way, and you know, Cole and I, with we have an intention really to expand, hence expansion properties. So we're, we have systems in place so that we can eventually grow and be able to, you know, whether it's taking on employees or whatever, but essentially to be able to duplicate or triple or whatever the process. So everything from, you know, the start of actually doing like a property valuation to, systems that we use for project management when we're actually, you know, in the middle of a renovation to tenant screening, obviously when we're at that point of renting the units. And then of course, uh, to actually maintaining the properties, but then also the relationships with the tenants that we have in place as well. There's literally a system at every step along the way, and it just makes things easier to handle And then again, with that mindset of eventually, you know, being able to expand and do this on a broader scale, we'll be able to pass those systems off so that there is consistency along the way. 
So yeah, that's something I can't stress enough. It's really important for any investor to operate from some platform of systems or processes for that consistency. I don't know if there's something you wanted to add to that. No, we like to use uh, consistent finishing materials too. So paint, flooring, all of that sort of stuff. So we're not having to reinvent the wheel every project. And then if we have some flooring that gets damaged, we can just replace it because we have a bunch saved already and we're not replacing the whole floors in the whole unit kind of thing. And it just keeps it simple for for our maintenance guy. Yeah. yeah I like that. Is there maybe another example? Let's start like say in the early process of looking into a place like what's your system there? Well, essentially we have like we have a few different worksheets that we use to actually value a property and to get an idea of what the after repair value would be. And then we have specific criteria that we go off of when we're looking at like where we want to invest and where I guess we get the best bang for our buck. So most of our properties are actually in one area in Victoria uh, called Fernwood. And that's where we found the best value because it's still an up and coming neighborhood. And it's really, unfortunately, I don't, I don't know the greater Toronto area, so I, I don't have something that I can compare for you guys, but it's really kind of a hip, I don't know, it's a hip kind of artsy neighborhood in Victoria. And it's, I guess, high valued within the city is a good way to put it. Yeah. So basically you're saying it's like, it's more having a certain set of criteria as well when you're going into it. It's not just, hey, this house looks identical to the one that we worked on before, but it's in an area that we're not sure of. So you might stay away from that one. Yeah, we work within, we know the permitting process with the city of Victoria pretty good. And we know what they will let us do in the area that we want to invest in. So that's... So more or less just keeps things simple for you guys. You know the answers to the questions. You can you can move forward pretty confidently. And it's not like every single time you've got to go out and get all the same questions answered again. Exactly. There's certain uh, square footage criteria that you need to meet for the house conversion. So we make sure that the house has a certain amount of square footage that they require. We make sure that it's going to have the parking requirements is a big one. And even like exterior changes, and exterior stuff like that. changes, There's limitations they, on what they'll allow. So it's really we have like a checklist of things that we look at when we're looking at a property to even just to be able to say whether or not we can even do what we want to do. Yeah. In addition to all the kind of evaluative pieces that we're looking at in terms of whether or not the investment would actually be fruitful. So and we have our spreadsheets that Elizabeth's kind of created. So we use on all of our projects and it gets filled out along the way. And we can take the numbers off our last project and get a pretty good idea of what it's going to cost us on the next one. So every project we do, the numbers are getting getting better and we're getting a better handle on what it's actually costing us. Because that's obviously a very big consideration too, is not just you know, what value is there in the property, but what is the renovation cost actually going to be? And if like the closer that we can get to that number, 
obviously the more efficient our project is going to be. So that's a really important piece too, is being able to look at a property and assess, okay, what is it gonna cost if we actually go through and do this? Yes, so again, we have a lot of checklists, templates, spreadsheets, (laughs) yeah. It might be interesting for us to uh, sort of define each of your roles. Would you mind going into that? Yeah, sure. Do you wanna? Uh, Basically, both of us look at the houses, stuff like that, that's a joint decision. But for the most part, after that's done, I will kind of work with the designer and Elizabeth coming up with a floor plan, and then we will go ahead, apply for our permits and, for the most part, I will project manage the project along the way. And then, yeah, at the point that the project is completed, I take over and I'm essentially the property manager. So at this point, Cole and I do all our own property management. It's not something that we've outsourced yet. So is yeah. It, so, this, so are you guys working with joint venture partners? We have done, though that said, that was for flips. Essentially, all the projects that we've done have been... We, we've just done ourselves and we have had some investors along the way, but all the properties that we currently hold are all our own. Oh, okay. That's great. And I know eventually then, you know, at a certain point you start to reach out for stuff like that more, but I think that is a good way to start out is definitely just keep as much as you can for yourself. And once you hit some sort of a barrier, that's when I guess you start looking for some outside help. Yeah. And that's pretty much the point that we're at now. We're engaging in conversations with people about doing joint ventures or even just like fundraising, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of the point that we're at now. We're pretty much reaching our limit of what the banks will allow us to do on our own. So, but now we're looking into like commercial financing and that kind of thing as well. So it's a very interesting time for us because some of our strategies are changing. So what is it you think that sets you guys apart from other real estate investors? Uh, I would say the attention to detail on on our properties. We definitely focus on quality. All of our properties basically have new mechanical, electrical, plumbing by the time we're done. So they're essentially a brand new house by the time we're done. So our maintenance costs over the next five years, 10 years are going to be be minimal after we get the houses turned around and up and running. These large projects don't scare us at all. Like if a house has foundation issues, that's not a problem. If the roof's leaking, we don't care. Asbestos, we'll deal with it. We just look for the worst properties in our favorite locations where people want to rent a high quality unit. Yeah, that sounds funny, but we really do look for the worst properties. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? That's great, though, because now you know exactly what's behind those walls. And there's no question about what's going on there because you guys have done it all yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it, it gives us a leg up, too, when it comes to tenant retention. And that that to me is is really important. I mean, one, at the end of the day, we feel very passionately about the units that we're offering to tenants. We always say that we would never want to renovate a property and create a unit that we ourselves weren't willing to live in. 
So whenever we're doing a renovation, we're always operating from that perspective. And some people, I mean, you know, we've had conversations with other investors where they think that we're crazy because they're like, but you could do that renovation for, I don't know, a hundred grand less or whatever. But at the end of the day, we are in it for the long haul. And it doesn't make sense to us to, you know, cut corners because how happy would a tenant be in a property, for instance, with no insulation? They're going to be spending, you know, crazy costs on on heating to the effect that, you know, maybe they can no longer afford to live there or or whatever. They're just uncomfortable. So mm, I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. Another example is uh, the soundproofing that we put into these properties will do because when you have two to four units in a building, that's obviously a main concern with tenant turnover and stuff like that, if you can hear people talking next door to you. So we basically, we do party walls in between our units. So basically two separate walls that are insulated with safe and sound insulation. We go as far as pouring a two inch concrete topping on the main floor and upper floor if the engineer will let us to help with sound between the units. We even go as far as in, insulate all the bedroom, bathrooms, all the interior walls with safe and sound insulation just to stop any sure. sound from even within the unit. If that helps from transferring it to another unit, we do that. And a lot of people, you can't see that. And it's one of those things where you're putting all that money out there and nobody can actually see it, but we believe that that will pay off for us in the long run. And I think it has given that a lot of our tenants are long-term tenants and happy to, to live in the places that they, they live in. Yeah. We have very little turnover. You know, I really believe that that sound uh, barrier is very important. I, I think I'm right on board with you guys. And I know Sandy's even, ripped out ceilings in an existing place that he bought and did all the soundproofing. And, you know, mm -hmm. it just, the tenants are not happy when all they can hear is the other unit and what's going on there. Exactly. Yeah. That's huge, huge for us. And we even have a suite in our own house and we did the same thing. So we, we know what it's like too. Right. So why don't you share with us some of your short-term goals and then uh, some of maybe your longer-term goals. Yeah. So Cole and I are huge on goal setting. It comes from a bit of my background, I guess. But, and actually as a demonstration of that, we have a four by eight like goal setting board that we actually made that's sitting in the middle of our living room where we put a lot of our goals. So it is, I, that's one thing that I can't stress enough. It's really important to do that, to have an idea of where you want to go. And as an example, one of our goals for this year was to actually build two new homes. And it just so happens that about a month ago, we bought a property here in Fernwood that it's actually a duplex that's sitting on two separate lots. So we're going to be tearing that house down and building those two new homes. So I think there's a lot of power point being in, in setting those goals. It's crazy, actually, that we ended up finding a property that is actually allowing us to do that goal that we set for ourselves, because especially in the, the market that we're in right now, finding lots to build on in Victoria is like, it's definitely a, a needle in a haystack scenario. So 
that's one of our goals. And then another one too, is to actually fund the next character conversion with investor financing. Do you want to speak to a few? Uh, another, I'd say short term within a year kind of thing. One of the, one of our goals would be for Elizabeth to go down to part-time with her job because I've been able to leave mine at this point. I think we can grow a lot further if both of us can focus, focus on this, this full time. And another one of our goals would be we want to do a European trip in 2019, April, for a month we want to go. So, mm -hmm. And then I would say one of our longer term goals is do larger projects, land rezoning, townhouses, stuff like that. As far as rental property goals, we have a goal of reaching 100 doors, rental units. Yeah, and then an another big one for us too, we actually, uh, we do some work with an organization in Victoria called Threshold. And basically what they do is they provide transitional housing and life skills training to youth at risk of homelessness. And one of our goals with them is to actually be able to donate a house to them, you know, like a suited house uh, for them to house some of their at-risk youth uh, within 10 years. Wow. So we have kind of goals in every different aspect of our lives, whether it's just personally like setting a goal to travel or in terms of our business of reaching 100 rental units, it's rampant, I guess. <laughs> and you know what, that, that goal of donating the suited units, that is so much bigger and it implies so much about, you know, where are you going to be when you're able to do that? It evokes a place in your life that you need to be in before you are able to do that, you know, because you have to be at a level where you can actually make that something that's feasible. As The yeah. same as um, going away for a month. Like how many people in a, you know, quote unquote, just regular job would ever set that as a goal because they know they can't do it. Going yeah. away for a month is just an impossibility. So yeah. setting those goals for yourself makes you find ways of being able to do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And even like I was saying with like, it was funny because Cole and I had set that goal to build two new houses this year and we stumbled upon this. I mean, I wouldn't say stumble because like I said, we spend a lot of time looking at the market, but more or less we stumbled upon this project. And it was kind of funny because it wasn't until like a week or two later that it even dawned on us. We're like, wait a second, this is the goal that we set at the beginning of the year. Isn't it crazy that we found one property that would allow us to achieve that in like kind of one fell swoop? So yeah, I wholeheartedly believe in the power of goal setting. And just like you were saying, it, it kind of, it creates a vision for yourself of where you want to be. And it makes it a hell of a lot easier to break things down into like digestible chunks so that you can get there. If you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to find it. Exactly. exactly. You can't score without goals. Yeah. Go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about this Queens of expansion. What's, uh, what's up with that and what, what are the goals around that community? Oh yeah. Okay. So Queens of expansion is something that I started in November actually last year. So it's definitely still in its infancy and there's been some transitions along the way. So it's a vlog. So I actually do uh, video interviews with women investors. So uh, apologies to the other 
half of your, your audience. It is based on women that are investing in real estate and that are at a, some point of success. One of my goals with that is to actually organize a retreat where I would bring together, you know, seasoned investors and, you know, women that are either newly investing or wanting to get into investing with the purpose of educating uh, around real estate investing. And that's pretty much the intention, I guess, with Queens of Expansion is to use the experience of other women to help like broadcast some of that knowledge and really just to get the word out there about real estate investing. One of the things for me, I touched on this before, but I invested in property with my dad. And then until Cole came along, that was my only investment. I was intimidated at the thought of investing in real estate and having such a large physical asset. And interestingly enough, in the last number of years that I've been investing with Cole, I mean, I love real estate. So it's, it tends to be the thing that I talk about pretty much in all situations. So it often will come out in conversations with other women, you know, they'll make comments like, oh my God, how do you do that? And, and it, it just, that's kind of where Queens of Expansion was born from was this idea that we really need to share, or I really need to share with other women that it's a possibility that, you know, we shouldn't hold ourselves back. I wish that someone, you know, 10 years ago had delivered that message to me, you know, it it would have probably changed the trajectory of my kind of investing, but not that I live in regret or anything like that, but it propels me to, to share that message to other women. So, yeah, so that's definitely a, a big goal for me is to have that retreat. And then another one as well is to pick up speaking engagements where I have the opportunity to share that. And I'm kind of working or I'm in the process of that. I, I have spoken at a, a few events in the past and I have another one actually coming up towards the end of July. So again, a very kind of exciting time. Well, it sounds really interesting. And although it is for women, I'm sure that uh, any guys probably be able to pull something from it without having maybe the correct parts. Gender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. It's just that I interview other women, but certainly anyone could listen and you know, take some valuable information from it. Very good. And then tell us a little bit about what's next or what's upcoming in the, in the the short future for you guys and uh, where are you headed? What's going on? Well, we're working on our next project here, the duplex. So we've just put in for our, we actually close on the property July 11th and we've put in for a demolition permit already and we are getting plans drawn up to build two single family houses with suites that we will be, uh, we're building these out to sell these two properties. And so that will probably, once we break ground, we'll probably be a six to seven month build kind of thing on those two. Mm -hmm. So that's, we'll be working on that over the next few months here. In 2018. In 2018. And then the other thing I, I, I think I kind of touched on this before too, but we are actively seeking investors to do our next character conversion. So our plan, kind of our, our business plan, I guess, going forward is we want to be building new. So we're obviously moving in that direction with this duplex, 
but we still want to maintain our buy and hold investment strategy as well. So our plan is to have kind of two facets of the business, building new properties to sell and then investing in at least one character conversion each year as well. Yeah. Well, really, really impressive goals that you guys have. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Is there a key piece of advice that you could share with uh, people that are just starting out? Yeah, I'd say number one is to take action. You know, I I really, again, that's one thing I can't stress enough. We oftentimes get so bogged down in these stories that we tell ourselves of why we can't do something. You know, Queens of Expansion is a good example of that, that. I had absolutely no idea when I started that. Really, I, I didn't even have a clear vision of what I wanted it to be, how I wanted to do it. I, you know, I didn't have any of the equipment, none of that. But I just decided to go ahead and do it anyways, even though there were people around me telling me that I was absolutely crazy. I'm kind of used to hearing that at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a, a big one is to just, yeah, just take action. Don't sit and wait. Yeah, another one I'd say would be uh, surround yourself with people that are actually doing it. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just modeling what other people are doing. Learning from listening to podcasts, uh, watching other developers in town, watching other projects that are starting and finishing. Neither of us come from a construction background. We're just two regular people with two regular jobs that started with a condo that worked into a house and then another house and the projects just kept getting bigger and bigger. So don't get discouraged, I would say. And yeah. Like things don't jump into your lap necessarily all the time. You got to go out and, and work for them and, and actively uh, look for stuff, right? For sure. And it's taken, you know, it's taken a lot of sacrifice too. And I think that's the other thing that that's really important for people to recognize is you can't, be afraid of that either. There are going to be stumbling blocks and sacrifices that you have to make along the way, but the way that we see it is in the end, it'll be, it'll all be worth it. Yeah. A key piece of advice for people starting out is you will have issues with tenants. You will have issues with contractors. Not every project has gone ahead. We've lost money with contractors. It's happened. But if we stopped at that point and threw in the towel and just said like, that was it. I'm going to find something else to do. We wouldn't be where we're at today. We wrote that off. We took that as a lesson and we just kept going. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to do that. You can't let that negative hold you back. Yeah. I like it. I like all Makes sense. Absolutely. So you guys ran into Derek Peaver, actually one of our guests that um, we had on, or, or you ended up meeting him or you guys got connected somehow after uh, he was on our show. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that we ran into him. We actively, we actively sought him out. And it was actually after listening to his episode for the second time that I basically went to Cole one day and I was like, you know, I think, I think maybe we should try to talk to this guy. So yeah, it's it really, I, I have to thank you both because it's for ha- having had this as a resource, obviously, that even put Derek on our radar to begin with. And that kind of goes a little bit to what I was saying before, too, about taking action and not being afraid. There was a moment where I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to think I'm totally weird calling him out of the blue. And he might have, but 
regardless, we are actually working with Derek now to bring super sweets to Victoria. So we're in the process of securing our first properties for that. That will be, you know, the super sweets Victoria branch coming in probably closer to 2019. But yeah, it's really, really exciting. And all this feeds into a lot of our goals that we talked about earlier. This connection and the fact that we're working with him on this project will help us realize those goals even sooner than we had originally expected. So Mm -hmm. that is very cool. I always like hearing stories like that. Okay, guys. Well, thanks a lot. How can people get in touch with you then? Um, Well, like I said earlier, we are on Instagram. So we're at Expansion Properties as well at Queens of Expansion. So Instagram, Facebook, we've got our website, you know, www.expansionproperties.com. And you're welcome to send us an email, either Cole at expansionproperties.com or Elizabeth at expansionproperties.com. Awesome. Okay, thanks, guys. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Yes, thanks. That was, that was awesome. Uh, for me, we actually have a new phone number. Actually, is the best way. It's 289-389-6846 or uh, info at mckayrealtynetwork.com. And if anyone would like to reach out to me, they can reach me at 289-927-0464 or the same way as always at info at breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciated this. Um, thanks for taking the time out to come and talk to us. And so I guess we'll see you all next time. And remember, you can't score without goals. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>